0: Earning is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 573 with Joanne Crone. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 573. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Joanne Crone is a parenting educator and former elementary teacher who helps moms feel confident in everything from raising empowered, self-sufficient kids to dropping the anxiety and guilt out of modern parenthood. She's an accomplished writer, author, podcast host of No Guilt Mom podcast, and speaker appearing in national media and the founder of the parenting site, NoGuiltMom.com. Her specialty is talking to both parents and kids with her self-paced digital courses for kids and parents in handling big emotions, creating a morning routine, and conquering the homework drama. Joanne created the most awesome book slash workbook for kids called Me and My Friendships. And after digging into the book, I knew that I needed to have her on the show to come share with us how we can help our kids build healthier friendships. Listening to hear Joanne share her personal experience in friendship struggles as a kid that led her to writing a book about friendship for kids, the key characteristics of being a good friend that we can teach our kids from an early age, three tips you can use to help your kids have better friendships, why modeling listening, especially reflective listening, is so valuable to your kids, how to help kids with self-regulation during hard emotional moments, what to do if your kids don't want to listen to your friendship advice, what to do if your kid comes home from school complaining about a friend, how to talk to your children about being an upstander with friends, and when you should intervene in friendships versus when you should let them figure it out on your own. So much goodness in this episode. Joanne and I actually had a lot of fun talking about this as well. I think we have really good chemistry. I hope you noticed that too. So we had a lot of fun talking about this and sharing just different situations and different examples from our own personal experience with friendships and our kids experiences with friendships. I know you're going to find some things in here that are relatable and helpful. So with all that said, let's go ahead and welcome Joanne to the Shameless Mom Academy. Joanne, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm super excited to have you here today.
1: Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I've been listening to Shameless Mom Academy for so long. So this is a real honor to be on.
0: Oh my gosh, so fun. And I was recently on your show, The No Guilt Mom, and- Oh my gosh. We just hit it off. I mean, you and Bree, first of all, have amazing chemistry. And then the three of us, I just felt like it was this amazing conversation. So I was instantly like, you have to come on my show. So thank you.
1: We loved having you on and there's nothing better when you can get into an interview and you feel so comfortable right away. Like you automatically vibe with the person and that's yes. how I feel like it was with you. So I'm so happy so. that we finally got to meet and connect and are doing this now.
0: Yes. Yes. It's going to be a lot of fun. And you can tell in a conversation when it feels like two good friends connecting. So that's basically us. Now we're just two good friends connecting in case you didn't know. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's where we're at.
1: Yes, all we need is some wine and we're good.
0: Yes, no. exactly. Maybe some cheese, and a, couple some cheese. Of like a cheese platter. Oh,
1: yeah. Maybe we could get a bruschetta board in there too. Though. Yes, yes.
0: Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I'm so excited. So, I want you to tell us a little bit about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now.
1: We have a lot going on right now, both like in the company and No Guilt Mom, and I feel like in my personal life, No Guilt Mom, like we have courses for kids. And so, we're in the middle right now. And we're talking of launching another one of those courses, mm-hmm. but like personally, you know, I just released a book and so I'm doing all the things to try to celebrate that. I, through many years of therapy and therapists have pointed out, I have a very big problem celebrating my wins. Mm. And, and so I put out this book and I hadn't, haven't celebrated it yet. So I have a party. i plan like we planned a party and I'm going to have Yay! a party for it and celebrate the win. Oh
0: my gosh. You have to have a book party. This is, is this your first book?
1: It, my first actually published with the publisher. I self-published okay. another book two years ago, but yeah, this is like the first actually traditionally published book.
0: So we're going to dig into the book in a minute. It's amazing. But I mean, beyond like the content of the book, holy cow, I can tell that you put so much into this. And I was so impressed. You told me, you're like, Hey, I have this book on friendships for kids. Can I send you a copy? And I was expecting like something like, you know, a little thicker than a pamphlet and like, you (laughs) know, like a Bernstein bear size book. That's what I was imagining. And I got it and I was like, Oh this is like for real. It is amazing and I can just tell that you were so thoughtful not only in the content but the illustration and the drawings and the workbook components that you put in. I mean that is just a massive, massive accomplishment. So yeah, the party is like just the starting and for the celebration, I think.
1: Thank you. Well, I can't take full credit for the illustrations and everything. That was all the publisher, but I did do all the questions and the surveys and the, and the, the thought behind the text and what went into it. It's weird when you publish a book because like going from self-publishing to like handing over stuff, like Ooh. some of it was very hands-off and that was very weird for me being like, I'm an in control person. I, like yeah, to I was control. just
0: going to say, what's your like control freak tendency here? Cause yeah. I, that would be hard.
1: I like to be in control and mm-hmm. um it was weird being like, okay, here's my draft and it's submitted in Microsoft word. And then we like did a final manuscript and then I don't hear anything for like four months. Oh my gosh. That's when they're working on all the illustrations on all okay. the layout and everything. And then they're like, here's what we did. And thankfully I was like, I love it. <laughs> and oh. I could let go of my control tendencies a little bit there, but no, it's very weird. It's very weird not being involved every, every little
0: detail. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So talk a little bit about why you wanted to write a book for kids about friendships.
1: So growing up, I was a pretty shy kid. I went to an elementary school where there were literally like 10 kids in each grade level. Ooh, it was a small school. It was a small school. It was um, run by Episcopalian nuns. Like I, you know, we, I knew everybody in the school, and I was on top of the world. And then in seventh grade, I moved over to the public middle school, which was very different size wise. I did not feel like I fit in. I. Wouldn't look people in the eye when I was talking to them because I was so scared of how they were perceiving me and thinking about me. And those two years, like I would say seventh grade, was like the hardest year I ever had. And what I realized though, going through that and coming out of it, and eventually, you know, making friends in high school and then having a great career is that. It wasn't me so much as I just didn't have the social skills that I needed to feel successful, like a bigger school or like around people that I didn't know since I was six. So that has always been on the top of my mind. Like I want to give kids these skills so that they can go into social situations and they can feel comfortable and they could feel like they belong and they know how people should treat them and how they should treat others and just have that confidence so that they're not held back. Like I felt I was socially at that age.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I appreciate that. And friendships are such an interesting thing. I'm watching this and my son and I'm watching all the different ways that kids show up in friendship or in what they view as friendship. Yes. Um, and yes. So, you know, my son just finished second grade. So I've gotten to see this play out in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and it's so different every year it's different. And watching how he grows in friendships as you know and how that's evolves, and watching the other kids and like all the things <laughs> that I want to <laughs> tell him where I'm, be, I'm like in the second grade especially I'm like that behavior is actually just really annoying. And Ugh. if you want to be a good friend, maybe don't do that annoying thing. Like, and then yeah. like trying, trying to notice, I'm like, are other kids finding him to be annoying? I think that's really annoying. We have like so many
1: worries as a parent in that yes. regard. Like we don't want our kids to be like socially ostracized or the one right. that like people like make fun of. So I think it's only natural that we have those like tendencies to be yeah. like,
0: okay, like let's steer you in this other direction. Exactly, exactly. And then the other people, of it is like helping him understand that other kids are in different places with their ability to be a good friend and so this is something that actually started in preschool with him but like just kids being in different places developmentally and then in their social development and being and needing to point out like that person did that thing and it's not because they're mean or they don't like you it's just because they're still learning and they're learning how to be a good friend or they're learning how to use their words or they're learning how to you know talk about their feelings or whatever the thing might be. And so it's like, there's these two pieces around like teaching your kid how to be a good friend and then also teaching them to have compassion and empathy for the way that other children show up in their evolution of friendship as well.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, it's hard because, and that doesn't end. Like right, that's the thing. Too. like it doesn't end because I mean, I know adults who really need to work on their social skills and their <laughs> totally, empathy. Totally. And it's like, how am I going to have compassion for them and not want to be like, everyone's stupid, which is kind right. of, you know, sometimes the thing it's a never ending thing trying to have, teach kids to have compassion for others. And yeah, know what they're going through while also, you know, standing up for themselves and not letting themselves be treated poorly by friends
0: either. Absolutely. What are some of the key characteristics of being a good friend that we can teach our kids from an early age?
1: So this was something like I didn't figure out until later, but I had a lot of social anxiety and this was the mic drop moment when I realized that it's not how interesting you are. Like that's not what makes you form good friends. It's really about listening and making sure that other people know you're listening and know Mm -hmm. you're caring about them. And once I shifted to that mentality, it became so much easier to go into social situations because now you're not thinking about, oh my gosh, what am I going to say? And what will they think of me? But you're thinking, okay, well, how can I make this person know that I'm listening to them? Mm -hmm. And how can I show them that I care about what they're saying? And that I think if people just became better listeners, the whole world would have better friendships.
0: Yes. I have a good friend, Catherine, and she is the master question asker. Mm -hmm. She definitely, she's one of the most outstanding listeners in terms of friends that I've ever had. But we make fun of her. We have another mutual friend and we used to make fun of her questions because we were like, does Catherine think of questions in advance? Like while she's driving to meet up with someone (laughs) because she always has like 18 questions, top of mind. And you get like, you'll talk to her for like an hour and a half and you've just answered her questions the whole time. And you feel like you've been through a therapy session and it's been amazing. And then you're like, wait a minute, but how are you? (laughs) Yeah, But it's, and so we make, we give her a hard time because we're like, we want to know about you. Like, you don't just get to ask all the questions, but it's also been really amazing to see like the level of intimacy that she's able to cultivate in friendships because she is such a thoughtful listener and because she asks these really thoughtful questions. It's really incredible. And that is a skill that I think many of us don't practice.
1: That is really incredible that she has that skill. Like I try to be the listener like that as well and ask the questions because sometimes like I, I'm an introvert, mm-hmm. <laughs> total introvert and the surface conversations and like the chatty, the chatty, like party talk and everything, like how's the weather and everything that eventually gets pretty boring to me when I'm at parties Yeah, yeah. and I like to go deep real fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's interesting when you're talking with someone else, because a lot of the fear from listening and really asking those questions is worrying about that. You're too prying or that you're too nos- yeah, nosy. Yeah. And it's like such a fine balance that way as well. But yeah. I, Oh my gosh, I want to meet
0: your friend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's really good at going deep fast as well. So. Go deep fast. You're like, yep.
1: Whoa, how was my childhood? Right. Okay. <laughs>
0: right, Right. But I also think that you can also, you know, you can also let people know, like if this is too much, let me know, but like, I'm really curious or, you know, there's ways to that, be respectful around it.
1: That's a good phrase. I'm going to remember that phrase. Yeah,
0: I do that. Cause I'm a really curious, nosy person by nature. And so a question will pop in my head. And for me, like the context, like having that information is important to like add context to whatever the person's already sharing with me. But then I'm like, this might be too deep, too fast. So then I'll be like, I have a follow-up question. If it's <laughs> too much, like no worries, you don't have to answer it, But blah, blah, blah. And then I'll ask. And people are usually like, you know, people are typically like, oh my gosh, no, that's a great follow-up question. But you give people that out if they're like, whoa, like <laughs> that went, that's a lot. Yeah, I, okay,
1: um, I'm gonna have to memorize that. I'm like, if this is too much, let me know. I'll say yeah, that. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> this episode is supported by a podcast I wanna share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever and your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. So back to kids and helping our kids with friendships what are three tips? I know you have three tips that parents can use to help their kids have better friendships. And I feel like we've already like dug into a whole bunch of things here. And so I don't know if you want to expand on what we're already talking about, or if you have some other pieces to add.
1: Yeah. So I'll expand on one thing we were talking about before. Uh, My number one tip is you can give advice, but ultimately it's their friendship. Mm. So parents really can't get involved in our kids' friendships without ruining the kids' friendship for them, which is hard sometimes because if your kid is being excluded because all the other fourth grade girls formed a cupcake club and your child isn't allowed in the cupcake club, you automatically Mm. want to go to the school and be like, oh my gosh, this is happening. And we can't. (laughs) We can only coach our kids through responding to those situations. And then it's their choice, whether they want to take our advice or not. And that's really, really hard as a parent. I mean, I struggle with it as well.
0: So you said you have a, you told me this in the pre-interview. So you have a 12 year old and an eight year old. Yes. And you already admitted that you're a bit of a control freak. So this, I mean, I would think for anyone, it would be hard, but especially as you're starting to navigate like that 12 year old age, oh my goodness, to want to like go to the principal or the teacher and be like, excuse me, but I'm going to need you to like, you know, manage these children so that my child has a better experience with friendship. Like, I mean, is it a little bit tempting?
1: It is so hard. And what's really, it's hard when you actually know your daughter's friends and have a connection with them. So, I mean, I just had to struggle with this this past weekend because my girl, my daughter and the Girl Scout troop were going to Disneyland this afternoon. And my daughter thought of this very elaborate craft experiment craft like project for going. It's they made their own mouse ears that are green. So fun. And they have their names on them and they're really pretty. And she brought this project to me and I'm like, I set a boundary, which I was very proud of myself for doing. I'm like, I don't have the bandwidth for this. This is totally you. Like if you need help with it, just ask me, you know, questions and we can go from there. And so she's like, okay, well, The meeting happened and it's a pretty complicated project. And all 11 girls were upstairs. And when my daughter came down, she was practically crying. And she's like, they were calling it stupid. And like one girl said, like, you couldn't pay me enough to wear these. And and like, I knew all these girls who were saying these things. And I wanted to be like, I wanted to go to each girl and be like, listen, (laughs) but I, I knew I couldn't, I knew that would take away my daughter's power and it would, ruin her friendship with them right and so me and my husband we just we kind of just talked through scenarios and how she could handle the issue herself and she handled it she handled it really well and she got all the girls to like pick up their materials for the ears so she didn't feel like she had to do all 11 of them and it
0: worked out but I just stay out of it (sighs) oh my gosh that's really hard I would have wanted to march up there and be like how dare you (laughs) do you know how hard she's been working on this (laughs)
1: It was really hard. And I think as parents, we tend to take on our kids' emotions a lot. And yeah. that is something I see a lot with my kids. And so I immediately want to try to fix their emotions so that I don't have to feel their strong emotions, but that's not the best for them. And absolutely, we just need to step back. And it's so hard. So hard. Yeah.
0: So hard. Oh my goodness. Okay. So that was so that was one. one. <laughs> I'm already struggling here. <laughs> well, two, tip two
1: kind of helps with tip one. Okay, and great. Instead of trying to fix our kids' problems, all we need to do when they have problems with their friends is just to model listening behavior with them. And that can be as simple as reflective listening where they come home and they're like, so and so said this about me today. And then repeating to them, okay, you're upset because so-and-so did this to you today, right? And usually when we use reflective listening, they will open up even more and we don't even have to worry about fixing their problem. Like just them getting everything out is enough for them to feel better, but it's hard. <laughs> like all of yeah. these. I mean, I'm the first to admit. Parenting is not a, a walk in the park. It is not right. easy, but it's very rewarding and if we know that we're we're doing the things that are best in the long term, I think that that gives us the the perseverance to kind of, you know, stick with it and not struggle too much or beat ourselves up too much about yeah. what's going on with our kids.
0: I'm a fixer and I want to offer solutions Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I feel feel like I have a lot of good ideas.
1: (laughs) We have such good, great ideas, Sarah. Like we've lived such long lives and our kids should
0: really just listen to us. Yes. And I'm a really good friend. So I feel (laughs) like my son could learn a thing or two about friendship. Yes. (laughs) That's how it But is. You're so right. You're so right. And I'm thinking about like when people use reflective listening to me, and I think about situations where, cause there's times when I want advice, but there's also times where I'm like, I just want to be seen. And I know, I remember when I was younger, my mom giving me advice on things. And I remember at one point being like, I don't want you to give me advice. I just want you to listen. Cause her advice was like, write the person a letter. And it was always right. That was pretty much always the, advice.
1: I was like, I'm not
0: writing them a letter. Yeah. <laughs> and, which I can totally see myself saying that to myself. Yeah. <laughs> Right, just write them a letter. But when you just want to be seen or heard that reflective listening can be so beneficial in mm-hmm. from going to therapy. I don't know if you've had this experience, but I've oh, had the yes. experience of like being in therapy. And when someone just gives you the space to talk and uses reflective listening, you talk yourself into your own solution. Like you get done Did explaining you? the thing and you're like, Oh, now I see what I can do to make this different. And or- like you have the power to figure it out yourself.
1: Yeah. When you hear yourself say some of your thoughts out loud, you're like, Oh, that doesn't make sense that I'm thinking that. And it just gives you the power to, to change it for yourself because no one else can make you change. Like it's all in our individual like power to change. Totally. Yeah. But that's two. (laughs)
0: What's number three?
1: Number three is uh, to help kids with their self-regulation skills, because a lot of times that is the biggest hurdle in friendships is when something happens and the other person has a huge blow up or an over like an over response to the situation. Mm-hmm. And adults do this too. But teaching kids how to like stay calm, how to recognize when they're angry so that they know that they can step away and that it's okay to excuse themselves and walk away so that they don't hurt their friendships. But just teaching them that those things are okay. It's okay to step back if you're angry. You don't have to solve this situation. You can be angry for a little while and go through that emotion. And then when you calm down, everything becomes a little clearer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if you have, I mean, most kids are pretty reactive. That's just, you know, the nature of being Mm -hmm. young. And so those reminders, I think can be really helpful as well. Like, I don't think it's a natural inclination for an eight-year-old. Well, I mean, maybe it is for a shyer and maybe you could speak to this a little bit as, Mm -hmm. cause I was not a shy child, but I'm guessing that like, there's the kids who are super reactive and like pounce on things, whether it's physically pounce or emotionally verbally pounce. Um. Or I'm also thinking there's probably like shutting down behavior. Oh yeah. And, and so like finding the happy medium, like so that the kids who pounce can step back and the kids who shut down don't completely disengage.
1: Yeah. I mean, there is that hot and cold and I feel like my kids represent one of each. Like my son is the more reactive and my daughter is the shutdown and all it is, is it's a conversation with them over time. So something like self-regulation, it's not like a one and done type of talk. It's a, if you see that behavior happening with them when they're not angry or when they're not shut down, bringing it up then. Um, and this is something that I've been working with, on my, with my son for a very long time because he's always been a little fire kitty. When he gets really mad, I mean, ever since he was two years old, he would scream. He would actually hit his sister then. And when he got, because she was the one who made him the
0: angriest. Mm, uh, of course. I was the older sister. So I get it. Like yeah, Older sisters the, are very triggering. I was the older sister as well.
1: <laughs> and, and like, it's so funny with them because yes, he hit her, but also I could look at her and I'm like, I know exactly what you did right. to cause like, that. You,
0: you set the <laughs> whole thing up. Like you knew you were going to get it.
1: You knew it. You you set it up. Yeah. But like just when he was two, I started talking with him about what he could do. when he felt he was really angry and it was conversation after conversation. Like every time something happened, when he cooled down, it was that conversation again. And eventually he started recognizing his anger and he would leave the room and his choice self-regulation technique then was screaming into a pillow. So you would hear him be like, ah! and then he would like walk off the door would slam and you'd hear this muffled, like screaming.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. It's amazing. But now he's able to
1: pretty much understand where his emotions are coming from. And he knows his triggers, like being hungry for him is a huge trigger. Oh gosh.
0: Our ch- our sons might be twins. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead though. <laughs> the hanger,
1: the <laughs> hanger's real. And then the, he gets so hungry. Does your son do this? He gets so hungry, but then he goes to the kitchen and he's like, I, we have nothing to eat. And there's like all this food there. He just refuses to put oh, any of it so in his mouth.
0: My son denies being hungry. He's like, I'm, I'm not hungry. I'm not hungry. And I will be like, You need to take this food to you. I will give him like a little bowl of a couple, like some pretzels and apples or something. And I'll be like, You are not allowed to come out of your room until you eat this. And then he'll literally, three bites in, he will be a new person. Yeah. I mean, he is like so insistent that he's not hungry. He denies the hunger. And so then we have to have a whole conversation afterwards about like, remember how sometimes when you feel really frustrated and emotional, it's just that you're hungry. I mean, we've had this conversation 1 million times. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: That's how it is though. You have it yeah. 1
0: million times. Yes. And then one day you're like, oh, it's clicked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This episode is supported by my very own 15 Minute Manifest. Oh my goodness, I created my 15 Minute Manifest as a free tool to offer all of you a while back because here's what I know. I know that what you do first thing in the morning matters and has big impact on the rest of your day. If you can take a few minutes to yourself early in the morning, first thing before the day takes control of you, you get to take back the power in order to have a positive, powerful, and productive day. I created this free resource a while back. And at this point, over a thousand of you have used this tool over and over and over again and have given me feedback in terms of how helpful it has been for you to be able to stop dreading your day and to start turning your dreams into a reality by simply taking a minute to frame your day in those first few minutes after you get up. So this tool is meant to be used over the course of 15 minutes or less. If you don't have 15 minutes, that's okay. I show you how to do it in less time in order to energize your day, in order to help you kick off the day feeling fueled and fired up and ready to go. So in this tool, you are going to get my 15-minute routine that helps fuel your day. You're going to get the exact tools and resources that I use to start every day to feel energized and exhilarated. I'm going to give you three essential questions to ask yourself in the morning. I'm going to give you 10 five-minute workout options so that you can get moving quickly in the morning in a way that feels good and that gets you fired up and fueled up and ready to go without having to like break a major sweat, go to a gym, do anything hugely significant. Just something that has impact in terms of moving your body, getting the blood flowing and getting you ready to go. And then I'm also going to give you my top 20 book recommendations, the books that I have been reading over the years that light me up and lift me up, especially on those mornings when I'm like, mama needs some help. <laughs> and so I want you to go get this free tool I created just for you. It's a downloadable free ebook. If you go to shamelessmom.com slash 15mm for 15-minute manifest, you can download it for free today. That's shamelessmom.com 15mm. Another self-regulation thing that's worked well for my, so my son's version of screaming into the pillow Mm -hmm. would be deep breaths. And Mm -hmm. we also, I love that you said that you started this when your son was two. So those of you with younger kids listen in. And if you have older kids, these things, you can still definitely do these things as well, but the value in doing these things from a really young age. So we probably started deep breaths when Vinny was about two. And at first I was like, this kind of seems like a waste of time, Mm -hmm. but Cause he didn't know that he was taking deep breaths, but I would just have him sit on my lap and I would kind of just do deep breaths myself so that like my, he could feel my body like big breath in and then blow it out. And we would practice that to whatever extent he could at that time. But that habit has really grown with him And he's used it during a lot of highly emotional times during a lot of times where he's been really anxious with transitions. And so like, this is something that we have sat outside of a school building and done before school drop off many, many, many times after having a hard morning and it's sitting and taking deep breaths together. And now it's his now he'll ask me to, for many years, it was like me suggesting like, Hey, why don't we try to take some deep breaths and see if that helps. And then he would be like, that's not going to help. And, but now he'll say to me, like, will you stay and take deep breaths with me? And which is, you- Oh, it's, I'm so glad that we did it and that I did it so repeatedly because mm-hmm. it's totally stuck.
1: And it does stick with them. I was just reading Dr. Michelle Borba's book, Thrivers, which is excellent. And she has a whole chapter on self-regulation and she's told the story of Michael Phelps, the swimmer and how his mom used to practice breathing strategies with him. And he said it made all the difference. And he was able to perform at a higher level because he knew how to self-regulate his own emotions like that.
0: It's amazing. And I'll say as someone who wasn't ever taught that when my therapist tells me to do breathing exercises to manage emotion, I kind of struggle with it. <laughs> I, do I, like, mm, no <laughs> I do too. I'm like, no, thanks. I'll do too. i do other, I'll go for a walk, but like, I, so it's funny how it's just interesting. Like it can be harder to integrate those things later in life, but those things that you integrate early on that like really stick, I think just become really significant coping, like life coping skills.
1: Oh, they do. Like my husband was actually taught meditation and breathing strategies by his mom when he was younger and he still does it. He says he does his breathing every time before a really big work meeting so that he stays calm. And it makes me think every time he tells me that I'm like, I really need to take up breathing.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. <laughs> a friend of mine recently was telling me she's like I've been really working on my breath work and I was like Oh God that just makes me feel like I'm behind on something when someone no. says that like Don't that tell me like... Don't tell me more about your breath work I don't want to know like one other thing that I'm not doing enough of
1: Oh my gosh that is our achiever personalities right there
0: <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Totally Totally Oh my goodness This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural non toxic medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse. And so Active Skin Repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect. So Vinny does not like ointmenty, creamy, lotiony things on his body. But I was able to get out the spray, literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived, put it on his toe before he went to bed. And the next morning, he was like, mom can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S. AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. Okay, so I wanna know what you can do if your kids don't wanna listen to your friendship advice. And my son's getting to this age where he's like, mom, your ideas are really not that great. (laughs) I don't don't think I need your advice. I think I got it.
1: Oh, I get the, you don't know how it is and you don't know my friends. Yeah. 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 So it happens. The best thing to do is to model it yourself and to like, I always talk about things that have happened to me in the past when I'm in the car with my kids, which is a great talking place.
0: Yes. Yes. I love
1: the car. But I'll share all these stories about how I either like when I wish I was a better friend in a situation and I didn't do something that I then like regretted a little bit later or when I had instances with friends where they didn't treat me nice. And yeah, something did horrible happen, but it was for the better. Like, I always tell this story about these friends from college, how it was like the two of them. And every time we went out, it was like, oh, ha, 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 we're like, we're so funny. And they had all these inside jokes. And like, I just felt like a third wheel in the friendship. That's and the then worst one feeling, it's the worst feeling. And one day we went out to dinner with another group of friends and I was driving and these two decided to sit in the back of my car and not sit in the front seat with me and just laugh. Oh and I gosh. just, I dropped them off in front of the restaurant. I'm like, I'm not feeling it tonight. You guys can go in without me. That is all I said. And they basically, they called me and I don't know about language on your podcast. (laughs) You can go for it. (laughs) Well, they called me a bitch and they slammed the door and didn't talk to me ever again. And a year long friendship was ruined just because of that one phrase I said very nicely. And I tell my kids that story and I'm like, I am happier without them. Yeah, I do not need them in my life. And sometimes you need to go through that with friends to have them show you their colors like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, just
1: sharing those stories and sharing how you went through them so that they don't feel as alone. That is the best way I found to get advice to my kids.
0: Mm, I love that. So what can you do if your kid comes home from school complaining about a friend or even And I guess I want to add to that. So either complaining about a friend, so maybe it's their own situation, or maybe just sharing a way that they've seen one of their friends not being a good friend. So whether it's whether it's targeted at them, your child or someone else.
1: I think the best way to to handle that is to use that reflective listening again, Mm -hmm. because all, usually when kids come to us with a problem, they want to feel heard and, when we sit with them and when we listen to them and when we hear their complaints, many times the like, kids figure it out themselves what they want to do. And if they don't figure it out themselves, I'll usually be like, "So I have an idea. Do you want to hear my idea?" And then give them oh, the like choice.
0: That. Yeah, I like. They want to hear it.
1: That's Sometimes good- they'll be they'll be grudgingly say they'll be like, "Fine, what's your idea?" <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, yeah, I actually have used that on my son before and it's yeah. Or he'll like go he's like no, I don't need your idea, but then he'll come back later and be like okay. I don't yeah, cuz I'll say yeah. do you know my suggestion. That's kind of the mm-hmm. word that I but then he'll come back later, fine, what is I'll t- tell me what's your suggestion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes. Oh my gosh, so funny. <laughs> So let's talk about upstanders a little bit. I'm trying to think about how to phrase those questions. So if you know that your kids are witnessing their peer group or their friends engaging in behavior that is not nice, not appropriate, maybe not safe with other kids, how do you handle that in the context of friendship? Because I'm thinking of like, I had a friend in school who I watched be mean to other kids a lot. And I always just felt incredibly uncomfortable. I wasn't the target of the meanness. And so I would just be like, please don't ever let it happen to me. (laughs) Yeah, But I never knew what to do with that. And I'm starting to see a little bit of that as my son gets a little bit older, I think it's just kind of, you know, naturally you're going to see your child is going to see some of their friends making not so great choices. And sometimes your child will be the one making the not great choices. And so How do you talk about upstanders and how we can inter how kids can intervene with friends when they're not making good, good choices?
1: So intervening is always a really hard thing with some kids. Like if they don't do it naturally on their own, they find it very hard to stand up for others, Yeah, but the feelings are there. So the first thing I do is I'm like, okay, well, how does that make you feel when so and so treats them like that? And having them verbalize those feelings first and really like naming, naming those feelings, like I feel really upset and I don't think that's fair. Then asking, well, what do you think that you can do about it? Because many times kids don't feel like they have any power to do anything about it or that, like you said, it'll be turned back against them. Right. And getting their ideas first about what they think they can do about it. But if they try their ideas or if they're willing to try their ideas and it doesn't work, If it's something happening at school, I always suggest like my kids to go and talk to the teacher, like alone about it and say how it upsets them Mm -hmm. because the teacher has probably a better relationship with the student who is being mean and would be able to approach it in a way with the class Mm -hmm. or with that particular student where you as the parent wouldn't have that power to. and just telling someone just telling an adult or authority figure that something is happening that they're not like your child isn't comfortable with on the playground that's a powerful thing in its own without having to actually be there like have the child intervene and then once they see how like intervening happens or how standing up for other people happen they're going to be more likely to do it themselves. And modeling comes like modeling's huge too for that. So like, if you see an injustice going on in the world, like show how you ups- are an upstander and you intervene and kids yeah. take our, their cues from us
0: in that yeah, as well. Absolutely. One of the things that happened, so you said encouraging your child to go talk to the teacher mm-hmm. and One of the things that happened with my son this in this last year was there was a situation that happened at school that he like witnessed. And then someone came and told him kind of the back and details of it, I guess. And so when I picked him up from school, he like casually mentioned it to me, but, and it took him a minute, he was kind of quiet. And then he told me about it. And then he was like, it made me feel really uncomfortable. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I told him was I was, I gave him, I praised him for telling me that he was uncomfortable. I think that often kids would just stuff that down. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm so glad that you told me that that made you uncomfortable. And then I said, would you want me to talk to the teacher about it and let her know that you like have this information and would that help? And the situation was a little bit goofy. (laughs) Like (laughs) I knew that it wasn't like an unsafe situation, but I could tell that he felt uncomfortable. And in his mind, it was an unsafe situation, even though I didn't it was kind of a thing that had gotten blown out of proportion. So I was like, well, would you want me to say something to the teacher? So then, so he said, yes. And so I went and I said something to the, I emailed the teacher and I was like, Hey, here's what happened. I think that this is like, I think my son's like anxious mind is like running away with him a little bit on this, but I wanted to put it on your radar and whatever. She was so sweet. So the next morning she pulled him aside and she was like, I'm so glad that you said something. And I'm going to make sure that like these stories that were told and that everyone is safe and everything's okay. And (laughs) The whole thing had to do with like a kid going to bring bringing a hammer to school. Like I'm going to, this oh. kid was going to bring a hammer. And it was kind of this jokey thing, but in the day and age of kids bringing violent things to school, I was, you know, my son was like, yeah, let's talk to the teacher about it. So um, yeah, understandably. And it also, the context of it, I was just like this... I don't think is, you know, a really big deal, but anyway, so the teacher was so great about it though. And she made this like really big deal about like, thank you so much for saying something. And of course we want to like, we're going to make sure that you're safe. That's our number one job. And so he got this reinforcement that like, when I feel uncomfortable or when something, when I hear something that I should go say something. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really positive. And I don't know that I always have my wits about me to respond that way in the moment, but it worked out really well. And I think it just kind of added these layers of him feeling safe in sharing and talking and then getting the support that he needs.
1: I I love that. And something else that I love is that you asked his permission before talking to the teacher. That's something I do too, because our kids, like we never want them to be blindsided if the teacher approaches them about something which they don't know the teacher knows about. And it's just, a lot of the times kids are okay with bringing it up to an adult, but they don't feel comfortable talking to the adult either. Like they don't feel comfortable bringing it up with their friends. They don't know how to bring it up with the adult. And it's that time where we, as parents do like get to offer to intervene, but always keeping them informed of what we're doing and asking their permission.
0: Yeah, definitely. Speaking of intervening, (laughs) how do we, decide when is the right time to intervene and when to let kids figure it out on their own, especially when I think in the context of like your child being an underdog or your child being hurt. Yeah. Um, and you gave that great example of your daughter. How, what are, can you talk a little bit more about that? Cause this is where I know I'm going to have a hard time in future years.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, kids say mean stuff to each other a lot, it is just, you know, part of the impulsive nature of some kids. But if it's a behavior that's repeated frequently, like if, for instance, a kid is always getting like taunted on the playground, or if they aren't being allowed to sit with a certain group of kids at lunch, like repeatedly, that is the time to intervene. Because those repeated instances are what really defines bullying. And it's something that, like I wish, I mean, I was in middle school and you know how girls bully, they bully with exclusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was told like, I mean, I heard this one girl tell everybody else not to be my friend and not to sit with me. And I was pretty oh. much ostracized and I had no control of the situation. And being a seventh grader, like you don't want to bring it up to an adult. You don't want to bring it up to anyone because you feel like all eyes are on you and you hate that. Right. But When kids are in elementary school and they tell you about these things, like, by the way, I didn't even tell my parents these things were happening. I didn't tell anyone. When they tell you these things in elementary school, you then can show them what they can do if it happens in the future. So intervening would really be talking to the teacher if it's happening at school or talking to the adults in charge if it's happening someplace else and working together to form a plan where your child feels safe again. Mm -hmm. and where your child feels comfortable in the environment. It's always kind of tricky, but most school staff are trained in how to handle bullying, like incidents. yeah. uh, And they should have a procedure in place. But yeah, if it's repeated, then's the time
0: to intervene. Okay. If it's like a one-off fight, that's just normal developmental behavior.
1: I would say it's normal developmental behavior. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are probably some things that your child is hurt by. I mean, I can remember on the playground before COVID, my son would come home and be like, they're not letting me kick the soccer ball at all. Mm. And they're always hogging the ball. And I'm so mad. And it was a repeated thing, but it was also one of those things where he wasn't being hurt. He just had to figure out the social situation. Yeah, And so he did figure out how to tell his friends that, Hey, I want the ball. But then there was another incident in class where they always sung these songs like during their brain breaks. And whenever he would start singing, a girl in front of him would start laughing at him and it broke his heart. And when he told me about that, I'm like, okay, like, do you want me to help you talk to the teacher about it? And he's like, yes. So I sent an email to the teacher. I'm like, Hey, this is going on. Would you have a chance just to chat with Eric during class today? And she emailed me back. She's like, yes, of course. I'll take care of this. And the situation got resolved in class. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So yeah. It, it's hard though. When we see <clears throat> yes. our kids hurt, but yes. if we see it happening repeatedly, then we intervene.
0: Yeah, totally. Okay. So I want you to tell people about the book and the robustness of the book and how they can <laughs> use it and like who it's for and how it can be used.
1: So it's called Me and My Friendships, A Kid's Guide to Making and Being Friends. And it's a book where there's like a few pages of tips and then they do an activity. And the activity, like, you know, those multiple choice quizzes you always took in magazines. So it's written like that for kids to figure out like what kind of friend they are, what they like to do. And there's all of these, what would you do scenarios? So kind of like this happens at school, like what can you do? And when I was writing the book, I really thought of it from a teacher's mindset because I used to be an elementary school teacher and I wrote like a few pages like of material and then I would give them an activity so they could practice the material. So all the skills, they immediately get to practice it right away in the book and everything is intentional. I love Uh, it. Yeah. I had such a blast. I loved these kind of books when I was a kid, like finding out more about myself and also how people behave. And so I loved writing it. It's for ages six to nine, but I think that older kids could also get a lot out of it as well. And younger kids too, but they would just need help reading it.
0: It's a really, the way it's written is really fun and engaging and the activities are fun and engaging. So it's not like, Boring, like therapy stuff. <laughs> I like, tried. <laughs> yeah, I tried. It's really fun and engaging. And so, I mean, it's super fun. And Vinny has, to your point around, like, Vinny has gotten to this age where he likes learning about himself and he gets really curious and he's like, oh my gosh, yes. Like tell me more about why I think these things. This is the kind of thing I was also saying in our pre-interview, and I should share with the audience that Vinny and I will do these kinds of little workbooky things at bedtime. And in his mind, he's getting to stay up extra late because we'll get into <laughs> conversations about things and I'll lose track of time. So he like totally thinks he's manipulating me. He's like, Ooh, let's do the friendship workbook or the, I don't know, <laughs> we have the, we have this worry workbook. He's like, let's do the worry workbook. Cause he thinks he's getting to stay up later. But this is perfect. So the activities in here would be great for bedtime as well. Like sitting when you're reading a book, just read this instead and do the activities as you're going through because they are, they're super fun. And I have to ask, did you growing up have my book about me? It's a big Uh, yellow. I think it was a Dr. Seuss book, maybe, but it was like a workbook. No, I don't remember that. Oh my gosh. I was obsessed with my book about me. And like, you got the book and you were supposed to put a picture, like glue a picture of yourself on the cover. And then the inside was basically like interview format. And like, you just filled out all these things about you. I felt like this book made me a celebrity. (laughs) (laughs) I've had books like that in the past that I really loved it. But I think that this book reminds me of like getting to identify cool things about yourself. Like I'm looking through and like being able to identify there's some attributes in here about what kind of friend do you want to be? And I'm already looking like my son would want to circle like playful, adventurous, happy, generous. Like he would think that was cool to be able to identify in those ways. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot of things in here that are, that are fun for kids.
1: Thank you. I have, uh, I gave the book to some family friends and they came back to me and their six-year-old like is always reading it. And it makes me the happiest person to like, see that kids enjoy the book as well.
0: It's laid out in a really, the content's awesome, but it's also laid out in just such a kid friendly way. So good. Okay. So Joanne, tell us how you are currently being a shameless mom.
1: So right now I am working on showing myself some more kindness and (laughs) yes. And not being as self critical. I read this great book. I don't know if you've heard it, I'm always reading, but it's called Self Compassion by Dr. Kristen Neff.
0: No, I feel like I've heard of it. And I also think the name is super familiar.
1: It is so, so good. It's very Brene Brown-esque. In fact, I think they're at the same university, which would make sense, okay. but she's basically pioneered the field of self-compassion and gives you these concrete ideas of how to show yourself more kindness and uh, be less self-critical. And I've noticed since using all of her, all of her little ideas and tactics that my anxiety has decreased a lot because I'm not putting as much pressure on myself to always be achieving or always mm-hmm. be succeeding.
0: I love it. I am like going to go look up this book immediately. I'm hoping she also has an audio book. Yeah. I, bet and I just start listening immediately. I know I've heard her name, but all you have to say is that she's Brene-esque and I'm in. She's
1: very Brene-esque. Yes. I love Brene I love Brown. It.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh, so much, so much. Okay. This has been amazing. I love that that's how you're being a shameless mom by practicing self-compassion and educating yourself because that is only going to have a really powerful trickle-down effect. So thank you for sharing that. And now I want you to tell listeners where they can find you and connect with you and get the book.
1: So you can find me and my co-host Bree Tucker on the No Guilt Mom podcast.
0: Yes, you have to all go listen to the No Guilt Mom podcast. Uh, Bree and Joanne are hilarious and awesome and just like so full of goodness and le- content that is very digestible, but also really fun.
1: We have a lot of fun and you can also go to no guilt and sign up and get my happy parent checklist, which is how to communicate better with your family and uh, also delegate more to them. So you don't have to do it all because moms
0: shouldn't have to do it all. Yes. And I you can get that. the book
1: on Amazon uh, for
0: me and my friendships. So we will have this all linked up in the show notes. So people can go to shamelessmom.com and then they can click on the episode with Joanne Crone and get links right through to the book, to noguiltmom.com, to the podcast, to social media, all the good stuff. Oh my goodness, Joanne, this was so fun. I'm so glad that we, I'm so glad we're connected now. Like Me for too.
1: <laughs> we should do more together.
0: <laughs> we should, we totally should. I'm going to hold you to that. So, <laughs>
1: okay, I'll do it. I'll do
0: it. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we totally should do more together. It's been really fun getting to know you through these two interviews and just like the little chit chat that we've gotten to have in between as well. So I appreciate you being here. Every time you write a book now, you have to come back and talk about it. So we're already ready for the next one. Definitely. (laughs) And, And thank you. Thank you for sharing everything. I know that there's going to be a lot of takeaways today that are going to give parents really great tools, but also I think going to give parents a sense of power and relief and hope around some struggles that maybe they've been either having themselves or that their children have been having and having some tips and coping skills can just make such a difference in terms of how that struggle feels.
1: Yes, it can. Love it. Thank you, Joanne. Thank
0: you.